0: You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning.
1: You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No, there is another.
0: Hello, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for Star Wars Episode 7, 8, 9, and spin-off movies and more sequels and all that other good stuff coming up in the future of the Star Wars universe. I am your host, as always, Kyle, and with me I've got my co-host, Tim. How you doing, Tim? Hey, Kyle, doing good. Good to be back talking more Star Wars. Always it's good always thing. good to be back talking Star Wars. And uh, we don't have a whole lot of stuff this week, but we do have a couple new updates, so I uh, just thought we'd get back in here and keep talking some more Star Wars with you guys, run down the news and give our thoughts on it and all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, Tim, what's, uh, what's been going on since the last time we recorded our, uh, our last episode, which was cool. We had our last episode was our big one with Jason, where we talked about uh, Clone Wars and all that good stuff, and Lucas started shutting down and all that bad stuff, but we've uh, kind of moved on from that, so uh, what do we got to talk about now?
1: Yeah, this time we finally got some good news to talk about, <laughs> yeah. to get excited about, and the biggest one is what happened last week during the uh, Cinema- CinemaCon event, that they held every year i believe this one was in las vegas this time and um when disney had their presentation they kind of made the announcement as far as like their marvel movies their regular movies and they kind of expected where they wouldn't have too much of star wars but they did reveal there that um they're still planning for a 2015 release date for episode seven but this time they actually said uh summer f- 2015. i know before it was always just like the general year of 2015 and we were kind of wondering well maybe they'll go differently maybe they'll do like a christmas release a uh, midsummer release maybe but they just said summer so i think it's kind of good that now that we have uh, an official date to, or not an official date but an official time frame to start counting down from now <laughs> summer of 2015 not just 2015 so that was cool to hear but the biggest thing was that they revealed about the standalone films that they're planning to have a new star wars movie every year after episode 7 so of course it's going to be after episode 7 we'll probably get a standalone film maybe another standalone film the year after, then episode eight. So I think we all kind of assumed that we're going to get more Star Wars movies than we ever had before. But to get confirmation that it's now going to be every year a Star Wars movie, that just got me really excited. I just never thought in my lifetime there'd be a time where every year I'd be going to see a Star Wars movie. So I just think that's great and awesome. Of course, uh, there's some concern from fans that I've heard that uh, maybe it's going to kind of overstay its welcome. Maybe it'll be too, like, oversaturated with Star Wars movies. That's not a good thing. But for me, until there's an absolute horrible Star Wars movie, I think this, this is a great, great thing for me as a fan. I'm really excited for this.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited about it, too. I'm excited that we're getting more Star Wars and be, we'll be getting a lot of movies. But um, I am kind of maybe worried about oversaturating it at the same time. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the spacing, I'm pretty sure they did say that it's going to be sort of like episode 7, 8, and 9 every other year and in between that uh, spinoff movie. So it'll be like episode 7 spinoff movie, episode 8 spinoff movie. Um, So yeah, and they didn't say sort of how far into the future they're planning to do this, you know, every year plan. (laughs) But I guess, you know, if they're planning to do 7, 8, 9, then we can at least assume that starting in 2015, there'll be a Star Wars movie every year for you know five or six years at least. Um, Yeah, I
1: think probably, like I said, until there's a really bad, if one of them turns out to be really bad or just financially doesn't get the money back, then maybe they'll kind of hold off on it. But if they keep turning them out and they're successful financially especially, I think we're just going to see it until it stops being uh, financially successful for them.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, I, I would hope that it's not just financially motivated, but I, I yeah. mean, you know, it, I'm sure that'll be a big factor in it because Disney's a big company and everything. But, um, I mean, it also depends on the story material and just how much good stuff they can come up with. Um, you know, I know they've got a lot of, you know, stories that they're kind of throwing around for ideas for spin off movies and things like that. And like I said, I'm sure there'll be at least, two or three of those, you know, in between the new trilogy and maybe the year after. And after that, I mean, yeah, they could keep going every year, but it just depends on, you know, if they're still coming up with stories and how many, you know, how many different characters they're going to make separate movies about, how many different, you know, time periods in the EU they're going to delve into or, you know, make up new stories going into the future, or if they're going to follow up 7, 8, and 9 with a 10, 11, 12 or something like that, so... Um, Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll just have to see. And like you said, I mean, even if there's a bad movie, I don't think that necessarily means they should stop making them because, I mean, it's not like J.J. Abrams is in charge of this whole thing. They're going to be bringing in a whole bunch of different directors and writers and actors to, you know, be doing all these different films set in different parts of the Star Wars universe. And so... Yeah, I'm sure there are going to be some varying levels of quality. Hopefully, they're all at least pretty good, and some of them will be you know spectacular, and some of them might be pretty good, and hopefully we don't have any that totally suck. But if we do, you know, if there are one or two that aren't that great, I don't think it's going to spoil the overall Star Wars cinematic experience. Yeah, um, I agree. Es- especially if those are just standalone films that don't really tie into the trilogy or anything. I mean, if, you know, se- if episodes 7, 8, and 9, if one of those is bad, then you might be in trouble, but... Um, you know, I, I think if, if there's going to be so many of them, there, there's definitely room for... Uh, I, I guess they have a little room for error to work with as long as most of them are pretty good.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of just basing it off of uh, just what they've been doing with the Marvel movies, which is the obvious thing to, look, to compare it to. Because if you think back to 2008 when Iron Man came out, which is the first movie under the Marvel Studios and the first one to kind of bring out the shared Marvel universe. And from 2008 till now there really hasn't been a bad Marvel movie or an unsuccessful one. I'm sure some have varied in quality, some are better than others, but there hasn't been like an all-out failure of a movie that just bombed and just wasn't, was is horrible. So I think for me anyway, Star Wars is such a vast universe where people are worried maybe about running out of stories or characters and stuff like that. I just think that there's so much potential with Star Wars more than you would like the Marvel universe that you can draw upon from. So like we said on previous podcasts, the uh, possibilities are endless to do with Star Wars. And just the whole oversaturation or getting uh, just like burnt out on, I guess, I don't think is really an issue. To me, just the issue just is just going to be the quality of the movies, is how good they are. And if it's anything like the Marvel ones, that's a good thing. I mean, but 2008 to 2013, it's like five, they had five years of success with those movies. So if we can get at least with those with Star Wars, I think it's going
0: to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, with the Marvel movies, there were some that were sort of pretty good and some that were really good, but there haven't really been any bad ones yet. I mean, it kind of depends on who you talk to. People have different preferences, but at least if you look at all those movies, they've all been, uh, you know, pretty financially successful and pretty well received as far as, you know, reviews and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, I guess my concern with having a star Wars movie every single year is for me, it does seem like a little bit much, um, just because, I mean, for me growing up, you know, obviously I wasn't around when the original trilogy was coming out, but you know, when the prequel trilogy came out, I mean, that was a huge deal for me as a kid. And, um, you know, just even, I, I wasn't even quite aware of all the hype going on for episode one at the time. Cause I was like eight when that came out, but you know, looking back now and seeing how sort of how much anticipation for that was for fans who had been waiting for it for so long and things like that. It's like every time a Star Wars movie comes out, it's like a huge event. And, you know, it's like you've got the hardcore fans that are really looking forward to it and sort of hanging on every trailer and image and interview and everything like that that's released leading up to it. And then you have the general population who's you know, maybe not as into it, but they're still excited to go see it and kind of see what new stories and stuff come up. Yeah, to me,
1: that's going to be great for me, for me personally anyway, because like you said, half the fun for these movies is kind of building out anticipation for it when it comes out. And if you think about it, by the time, after episode seven and we're waiting for the next standalone movie or episode eight, by the time the next standalone movie is released, we'll probably be starting to hear things about the next standalone movie or episode eight. So it's going to be like, we're going to be getting a Star Wars fix no matter what. We're excited for one movie, but then right after that, we're probably already hearing stuff about the movie after that. So for me personally, oh. I just can't wait to experience all that again. It's going to be different for Star Wars, because like you said, there'd be a three-year gap between all the movies, and there probably be the year after one of them came out was kind of the dead period where like, Lucas was getting the scripts ready to start in a film. But now there's going to be no dead period with Star Wars. It's just going to be nonstop information coming out, and I just can't wait. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I love that about it, too. I love the hype and, you know, waiting for it and getting in, you know, being all anticipated for it and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I maybe am worried about that, you know, we'll see one and then right after that, we'll start hearing about the next one. And after a while, it'll be like, okay, well, I don't need to you know, start getting all excited for it and stuff. It's just going to come out in a year from now and I'm going to go see it. And it might sort of dilute that experience a little bit of, you know, oh, you know, three more years till the next big Star Wars event is just going to turn into sort of a regular yearly thing that's not that big of a deal. Um, Obviously, I mean, I don't know exactly if, if that's how I'm going to feel about it or if that's how other people are going to feel about it until the movies actually start coming out and we see, you know, how good the actual movies are and how excited we are about those and how excited we are about, you know, seeing more of them in the future. But, um, I, I guess that was my only sort of skepticism about it was, I was just like, you know, there's so many stories that they can tell and, you know, obviously we're, we're getting more Star Wars movies and more Star Wars content and it's going to be great. I just feel like, you know, if they wanted to, they could take their time with it a little bit more. And it's not like this is a franchise that they need to necessarily milk for all it's worth it's not that, like they've got to you know make a ton of money off of it while it's popular it's like people are always gonna go see star wars and so if it comes out you know every two years or every three years or something that's still gonna you know make a lot of money it's not like people are gonna forget about it in between there so I don't think they necessarily need to saturate it that much um, I don't know if it's too big of a bad thing again it kind of just depends we'll have to wait and see what happens when it actually comes out but that i mean that's my only concern is i'm like do we really need that many movies that close together but hopefully it'll turn out all right
1: yeah i could definitely understand that concern but again going back to the comic book movie comparison for me i'm a big comic book fan and I get still get excited for every new comic book movie that comes out. So just from having that experience so far, I haven't been burped out saying, oh, just another comic book movie. I'll go see it. But it's not the same anymore. For me, anyway, I still get excited for every new superhero movie that comes out. And then when it's going to be Star Wars, I just have that excitement going to be 10 times the full. So just yeah. for me personally, it's, I think it's, it's going to work all work out in the end.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, I guess that is true with at least they're going to sort of break up the trilogy with the with the spin-off films. Because, you know, if it was episode seven, eight, nine, like three years in a row, I would I would think that was too much, probably. Um, or maybe not. I mean, with Lord of the Rings, nobody yeah. thought that was too much in one time span. But that's sort of all. I don't know. I, I think that's more of a connected story. It's like, at least for people who've read the books, it's like you already know the whole thing you know, you can go out and buy that book as one solid volume of all three stories put together. And it's not like there's big gaps in between, you know, the first and second one or anything like that. It's pretty continuous. But, um, you know, like you were, you were talking about with the Marvel movies and comic book movies and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, we still get one or two every year, but you know, they're telling different stories. Like this year we've got Iron Man three coming out and then we've got Thor two coming out later this year. Um, And then, you know, next year we'll have more Marvel movies. But it's like the Avengers just came out last year and they're not coming out with the Avengers 2 this year. They're, you know, sort of taking a break and building up more of the individual character stories. And then in you know 2014 or 15 or whatever, there'll be another Avengers movie with all of them coming back together. So, um, I mean, you know, I would kind of like that approach with Star Wars. And like I said, at least they are sort of breaking up the main trilogy with spinoff films. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll work out like that where... You know, we're still getting Star Wars content, but it's not just being bombarded with the same story and the same characters, because that could kind of get repetitive.
1: Yeah, that brings up another question, too, as far as, are they going to really do what Marvel's doing, where you have, like, the Avengers is like a big movie, and then the other supporting superhero movies, like Iron Man, and then Captain America, Thor, they're separate things, but yet they somehow all tie in and connect together to the Avengers. I wonder if Lucasfilm's going to do that with Star Wars, where you have the main three, episodes seven, eight, and nine, but then the standalone films, in some way, shape, or form, if they're going to somehow all tie into the main three sequel trilogy movies. I mean, part of me thinks it'd probably be better to uh, just have the standalone films be the standalone films and focus on the characters, like the rumored ones, Boba Fett, Yoda, Han Solo, and all that. But then another part of me thinks uh, that seems to be working real well for Marvel, and the fans love it. So I wonder if they're going to kind of take that idea a little bit and just incorporate that with star wars maybe have some hints of there's going to be one big central theme going on in all these movies until episode nine is done
0: yeah but i think the part of the reason it's worked so well for marvel is that they'd already done that with the comics um you know with you know they have the avengers comics but also you know iron man and thor and hulk and all those guys have their own separate comic stories and so there are people that are, you know, fans of the Avengers series, and then there are people who are fans of those individual characters, and those characters already have their own backstories, and they've had, the, you know, a lot of individual character development, and so there's sort of a lot of separate stories to draw from on those. Whereas with Star Wars, it's kind of always been about sort of the ensemble cast, I guess you could say. Um, and you know, while there are certainly some really interesting characters in there that people latch onto, I'm not saying that you know a Han Solo movie or something like that can't be successful.
1: Yeah, or it could be something where, like, maybe Han tells, like, a previous encounter he had with Boba Fett or something that affected himself somehow, and then in the Boba Fett standalone movie, we kind of see that. Maybe they kind of drop some hints in the main episode movies, and then we see those full, like, encounters or adventures that they would have that they were just hinting at in the other movies. Stuff like that, I wonder if they're going to go that route.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have a problem with them sort of connecting it or something like that. But I don't think they need to... Um, you know, sort of do different spin-off movies or s- things like that to, to sort of build up individual characters before the releases come out. Because, you know, when the first Star Wars came out, nobody knew who Han or Luke or Leia was. It was just we got introduced to all those characters at the same time in one movie, and it worked out perfectly. But I think part of the reason that the Avengers was so successful is because they had built up all those individual characters in their own movies ahead of time. And then by the time the Avengers came out, everybody was... You know, sort of familiar with those characters and was really looking forward to them all coming together. Um, So I don't, I don't, I just don't think they need to apply that same formula to Star Wars. Um, I'm not saying it couldn't work if they did do it that way. I just, think they'll probably take a little bit of a separate approach. And especially because there's so much more material to draw on in Star Wars. I think if they're doing spin-off movies, it won't be like, okay, let's spend all our time building up the characters that are going to be in the next, you know, main episode in the trilogy. It'll be like, okay, let's take a break from the trilogy and go look at, you know, Yoda or some other character that's, you know, in a different part of the time period and just go back and look at that for a second. Um, but one thing I would love to do or one thing I would love to see happen, you know, there's all these rumors about a Boba Fett movie. I would love to see episode seven come out and then the next year have a a spinoff movie about Boba Fett that takes place, you know, sometime during the original trilogy, um, you know, maybe leading into empire strikes back, or maybe it'll connect with the original trilogy or something like that. I don't know. But then, you know how with the Marvel movies, they do all those scenes like after the credits that are sort of like, you know, it'll either be teasing the Avengers, or it'll be teasing the next, you know, individual spin-off superhero movie, or something like that. I think the Bulba Fett movie should have a spin-off or a uh, like a little teaser clip at the end. Or maybe it shows a little montage of Boba Fett in the original trilogy ending with him falling into the Sarlacc pit. And then we see a scene of him, you know, we see like an explosion and then Boba Fett flying out of the Sarlacc pit. And then it just, you know, cuts to the credits. And then he shows up in episode eight. Yeah. That would be cool.
1: That definitely would be. I think that's something that... If they're going to use Boba Fett on all, that's something they're definitely going to have to address is the whole Sarlacc pit and how he survives or if he survives and all that. Right. But yeah, that'd be awesome to see. that would probably be the greatest end credit scene ever. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it, man. Disney's gonna own the summer every summer in two thousand fifteen. Just spreading out between Star Wars and the Marvel movies, they're gonna have a big movie every month of the summer if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I,
0: crazy. Yeah, like I said, because they're still having more Marvel movies come out, and especially because I think in two thousand fifteen, that's when the next Avengers movie is supposed to come out, isn't it? Yeah. Huh? So that's a date. yeah, Star Wars Episode Seven and the Avengers two are gonna be like the two biggest movies of that year.
1: Yep. Uh, I can't wait.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be awesome.
1: But, but yeah. And uh, also, uh, during the whole CinemaCon, uh, Kathleen Kennedy was honored with a—I think she received the annual Pioneer of the Year award for like a Motion Pictures Pioneers Foundation—and she did some red carpet interviews. And of course, the interviewers had to ask her some Star Wars questions, but uh, nothing too like revealing that she gave about Episode Seven and the spinoff movies. But. Um, she did talk to several sites, one of them was screen, screenslam.com. Uh, she kind of talked about the secrecy surrounding Episode 7, how they're going to deal with that. But I thought it was kind of cool because she says uh, with the internet and everything, of course, there's going to be like leaked, leaked screenshots or photographs that get leaked online if they're filming in an outside open location. But she kind of said, too, in that interview that that's something that Lucasfilm wants to embrace and kind of use to the fans to let them know kind of what's going on. So I just kinda of got the impression from that video interview that we might get a little more information than we're used to with episode seven officially, just so we can kinda of avoid all the leaks that are coming out. I know this actually happened with uh Dark Knight Rises. They knew they were filming in open locations out in Pittsburgh and they knew there's gonna be leaked photos and all that. So like the day they start before they shot, they released like the first images of Catwoman and Bane and stuff like that, just so that stuff won't get revealed leaked online, but instead it'll be officially revealed. So I think Episode seven is going to have that same approach. I think it's cool. Just kind of acknowledge that, you know, the fans are going to see it anyway. So why not just release whatever information or photo officially so you don't have to worry about the leaked information getting out?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a smart approach for them to take. And I like that, too. I mean, for me being an aspiring filmmaker myself, I mean, I kind of feel bad for those guys as far as like, artistic integrity and stuff like that goes when, you know, whenever some video or picture or something like that gets leaked from the set, especially if it sort of spoils a big scene or something like that, or, you know, we know that a character is going to be in the movie that was supposed to be a surprise that we weren't supposed to know about or something like that. It's like, I'd hate if I were making a movie and somebody posted something like that and I'm like, oh, I wanted to wait for everybody to find out until they saw the movie, but instead they can just, you know, go online and look at these teaser pictures. So, I mean, I'm glad that LucasArts is kind of aware of that or the Lucasfilm is, you know, that they're aware of that and that they're, um, you know, not necessarily trying to be, you know, extra secretive about it, but instead they're like, well, look, if people are going to find this stuff out anyways, and it's going to get posted online and, you know, people are going to go snooping around. It's like, we might as well just reveal it officially first. If people are going to find out anyways, they might as well find out from us because that kind of yeah. makes me feel better too. I mean, I always like reading stuff about, you know, Star Wars or any other movies or whatever, I'd, r- I'd rather have it come from an official source yeah, because, definitely. you know, on the one hand, it's like, okay, I know that this is when they were actually planning to reveal that and you don't have to kind of feel guilty about like, oh, you know, I sort of peeked at my presents before Christmas morning kind of thing. Or, you know, it's also you know you know that that's actually what's going on you don't have to look at these set pictures and go oh you know that looks like this character but i don't know it could be this character or this could be this thing going on or you know it's it's like is this legit or not is this sort of people speculating or is this what's actually happening in the movie it's like if you get an official release then you know what's going on and what they're trying to tell you so i think that's a good approach for them to take
1: yeah, I remember, too, when episode one was filming. I think the very first shot I actually saw from it was like just like what we were talking about, just uh, a picture that leaked out of the Darth Maul fighting Qui-Gon on Tatooine. And you really couldn't see Darth Maul's face. He was covered in the black cloak and the hood and everything. And I just remember all the speculation going on with him. Oh, that's the Sith Lord, but what does he look like? And we see all these different fan renditions, like drawing a face <laughs> and over that picture to see what he would look like. But... Yeah, I mean, just like you said, to avoid all that speculation and look at all that leak stuff, yeah, I think it's definitely a good move.
0: Yeah, although on the other hand, I mean, you're talking about that dark mall thing. That could be kind of fun, too, to have that sort of speculation going on. Like, if they're filming in an outdoor location, say, I mean, I don't know if this is what Lucas was thinking back then, especially, you know, the internet wasn't that big of a thing yet back in, yeah. you know, 98, 99, whatever, but... You know, if you're thinking like, oh, well, we're filming in an outdoor location and there's this bad guy that we don't want to reveal yet, but people are going to see him and take pictures of him, well, let's have them fight outside and the bad guy will be wearing a cloak so people can't see who it is and they'll be all, you know, speculating and trying to figure out what it is and who he's going to, you know, what he's going to look like and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm just kind of wondering at this point, especially if Disney is sort of setting the release officially for 2015. You know, I'm wondering like how close they are to starting filming on this already.
1: Yeah, because every interview that you hear, whether it's Kathleen Kennedy or Bob Iger, they keep saying, oh, we're still developing the script, we're still developing the script. And it's like, we've been developing it for a while now, I would think. It's yeah. probably almost time to get going with the next stage of the film development. Because if they're planning 2015, uh, they probably have to start early 2014 or late 2013, I would think. I know Lucas for the prequels, he did it like two years in advance. Yeah. Like from yeah. principal God, photography till the actual release. So Yeah.
0: But, yeah, I mean, you know, it takes a while to do all the visual effects and stuff, too. But with, you know, sort of advances in technology, it seems like post-production on films takes less time nowadays. Um, or, you know, I, I'm always sort of surprised every time there's a big movie and then they say the sequel is coming out in like a year or two. I'm kind of used to. Yeah, the big sort of the big summer blockbusters. I'm used to the sequels taking three years because that's how it was with Star Wars, and that's how it's been with a lot of some of the older superhero movies like the X Men trilogy, and you know some other movies like that. And so, but it just sort of seems like nowadays the process is kind of faster, and there's sort of more demand to you know make more money off of these big blockbusters, and it seems like they just kind of tend to crank them out faster.
1: Yeah, that's true too about. Uh, the visual effects and everything during the prequels, like they were creating new technology for those movies. So now all that stuff is ready and there to use. It, like you said, it would be quicker for them in the post production timeframe to get that work done and everything. And using ILM, of course, they're the best in the business. So they'll definitely be familiar with what they're doing at the visual effects by now. And this, it won't be as long as it was with the prequels because they're not creating probably any new technology for the sequel trilogy as far as we know anyway, but right. Right.
0: And I mean, because they're part of Disney now, I'm sure Disney has their own, you know, artists and, you know, filmmaking people that they can add to that or at least more money that they can put into ILM to allow them to, you know, hire more people or get more resources or stuff like that to make it go along faster.
1: Yeah. And I'm still curious too, as far as what the actual time frame is going to be between this epi- the true sequel episodes of the, new Star Wars movies, episode seven and eight, is it going to be two or three? Cause I keep thinking too, it's just going to be two years. So I know, I believe it was Bob Iger who said that they're planning on a two year turnaround for the next uh, episode number movies. So I think with the standalone movies, they're going to move you every year now. Um, it probably is going to be two kind of a Marvel front, but at the same time, if they're planning on the sequ- actual sequel number movies to be like those real big events of the Star Wars movies, they'll go three. So still curious to see what the timeframe is going to be between that. Yeah. Well,
0: like I said, I'm pretty sure I read in that release that they said it was going to be episode seven and like seven, eight, nine every other year with a sequel movie every other year in between that. But, um, I mean, the other thing too is, you know, when I when I talked about earlier how I was kind of worried about maybe oversaturating it over-saturating it or anything. I mean, one thing we don't have to be worried about is sort of the quality of those films because it's not like they're going to be rushing them out every year. Yeah. Because, like I said, there are going to be different teams of people working on those sort of in overlapping intervals. So it's not like, okay, Episode seven's done, now let's start working on, you know, the sequel movie that's coming out the year after. It's like if there's a sequel movie coming out in 2016... You know, I'm sure they'll probably start shooting it, you know, maybe next year or something. They'll be working on it before episode seven comes out. So they got all that stuff ready to go.
1: Yeah, definitely. And in another interview, Kathleen Kennedy did at that same event. This time she did it with uh, CleverMovies.com. Uh, she even mentioned for the spinoff movies that they already have scripts in development for several movies. And then the interviewer even asked, like, do you have any directors in mind? She's like, oh, yes, we have directors in mind who uh, we want to look to take on the projects. But then when she asks, look, can you give us any names? No, can't give any names. But, you know, they're already moving ahead with the standalone films as far. Like you said, being their own thing separate from Episode 7. We already know, of course, that Lawrence Kasdan, Simon Kinberg, they're all involved with the doing the scripts for the spinoff movies too. So I think they're well, they're everything well planned already for the spinoff movies. So, like you said, it's not going to be a big, like, drop or like rush project thing where you finished episode seven. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. It's all going to be well planned out. So she already even met, mentioned that in that interview, which is cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think she said something kind of similar regarding episode seven, eight, nine, too, where they were asking about, um, you know, well, at first they were asking about JJ J. Abrams and how she sort of talked him into, uh, directing, you know, signing on to direct episode seven. And then they asked if he had signed on to do eight, and nine at what as well. And she was saying, you know, we'll, he's you know got enough on his plate with the release of Star Trek coming up and just starting working on episode 7 i don't want to you know burden him with signing on for 8 and 9 yet but you know if he does a good job and we like working with him then that's definitely something we'll look into but then they asked you know if uh if he didn't decide to do 8 and 9 did they have other directors in mind for that and she was like yeah but you know i'm not going to tell you who it is yet
1: yeah Curious to see how long that list is of the directors they want.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's got to be pretty extensive, especially if they're looking for multiple directors to do different spin off films and things like that. Um, man, I mean, as a filmmaker myself, I would love to be in on that process and just know. <laughs> I'm like, I want to know what stories and what characters they're thinking about doing and what sort of genres those films are going to be in. And, uh, you know, sort of what directors they have from different backgrounds and different movies that they have thinking about doing sort of, you know, maybe putting their own spins on Star Wars and that kind of stuff. I mean, because, you know, they can they can tell stories about, you know, Boba Fett or Yang Han Solo or whatever that could would sort of just be sort of within the vein of classic Star Wars. It would have that Star Wars feel to it and just be sort of focused on one character or focused on a different story that we haven't seen in the movies. But then, I mean, the the other thought that intrigues me is that thought of sort of branching off and maybe telling different stories with different genres or sort of different feels to them that still fit within the Star Wars time period. I mean, when the rumor came out a while ago that eventually got debunked that they were thinking about having Zack Snyder do like a you know Jedi samurai type movie, I was like... You know, that sounds kind of weird, but at the same time, it sounds kind of cool. It's like, if they're going to be doing all these different Star Wars movies, I'd maybe like to see at least a couple of them maybe do something different with it. Um, Because, you know, I think you can sort of deviate from maybe what people think of traditionally as sort of classic Star Wars. You can still have it feel like Star Wars and fit within that universe, but do something different with it. Um, You know, have it, give it a different visual feel or a different style or tone or something like that and... uh, you know, I, I think a lot of those different types of stories sort of have their own little niches that they could fit into in the Star Wars universe just because it's so fast and there's so many different stories you could tell.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure that's kind of what they're looking for. I think with all the different directors that they probably have in mind, they would want them to kind of put their own uh, feel to it, have like leave a, leave their own mark on their Star Wars story that they want to tell. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. If I was a director, I would even if I had like a super busy schedule and I know I wouldn't be able to do it, and if they offered me... Star Wars, I would say, yeah, I'll take a look at it just to know the stories, <laughs> what they have in mind. And it's like, oh, sorry, but I can't But it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like I mean, I'd love to find out what they have planned, like their overall big plan for these spinoff movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I feel bad for some of these guys that are like, you know, locked into contracts on other franchises and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love the Marvel movies too, and I love what Joss Whedon is doing with the Avengers, and I know he's signed on to do the second one, but he's also like developing the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series and he's sort of overseeing the sort of stories and, you know, producing movies that are coming out in the meantime. But if I were him, I mean, because we all know how much, how big of a geek he is and how much he loves star Wars and how cool it would be to have him direct a star Wars movie. It's like, I kind of wonder if somewhere in the back of his mind, if he wishes he could just drop the superhero stuff and go, you know, direct a star Wars movie.
1: I know just that Laura has to be there. You knowing that, You know that Disney wants to, or doing these Star Wars movies, and that they're looking for directors. Like, if you're a fan of, I mean, that this has to be in the back of your mind, even though you're committed to another franchise or another project or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's big and it's exciting, and I can't wait to see where they go with it. Um, Especially, you know, what I mean for me as somebody that's, you know, I'm I'm about to graduate film school later this year, and you know, just looking forward to sort of potential possibilities in the filmmaking industry. I'm like, it's always been a dream of mine to be able to work on Star Wars, and then once I sort of got into film school and stuff, I sort of realized, okay, well, they're not making any more Star Wars movies, and probably my best chance would maybe get to, you know, be an editor on The Clone Wars or something like that, even though I don't really do, like, 3D animation, but I could, you know, do the editing on the, you know, finished animated videos or something like that, but, uh, and, you know, then, of course, now The Clone Wars is coming to an end, but they're making more live-action Star Wars movies, and especially now that they're making a trilogy and also an indefinite number of spin-off movies, I'm like, suddenly there's a whole lot of opportunities for people who've always dreamed of being involved in Star Wars. It's like, this is happening all over again, and a lot of us have a chance to get on board with that somehow.
1: Yeah, like you said, the best part, there seems to be no end in sight. (laughs) So it's not like, oh, once the trilogy is done, that's it. As far as we know, it's going to keep on going until, like you said, who knows when.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really have no idea. Because all they said in that press conference or release or whatever was that there's going to be a new Star Wars movie every year starting in 2015. And I'm like, are you thinking every year until the end of the new trilogy? Or are you thinking every year until the end of time?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking that's going to be to the end of time. <laughs> At least <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> oh, you
0: know what? I recently, I, you know, I was listening to some songs on my iPod, and I heard the uh, the Yoda song that Weird Al Yankovic does. Oh, okay. I Like, I loved that song as a kid, and I still love it now, but I hadn't listened to it in a while, and I heard it again. And it must have been the first time that I had heard it since the, uh, you know, since the announcement that, they were making more movies and that Disney bought out Lucasfilm and everything, because there's a line in there where, you know, he's, he's sort of singing from the perspective of Luke about going and training with Yoda and stuff. And uh, there's a line in there where he says, um, you know, these long track, these term contracts I had to sign. So I'll be making these movies till the end of time with my Yoda. (laughs) And I was like, Holy crap. He is going to be making these movies till the end of time. (laughs)
1: Weird Al had a Jedi vision of the future. (laughs) I guess so.
0: Premonitions, hmm.
1: (laughs) Yes, he knew all this in advance before us. Who would have thought Weird Al? (laughs) seriously.
0: Well, of course, he wrote that song back in the 80s when there were probably still more rumors going around that Lucas actually was going to make a 7, 8, and 9. And then he started being like, no, I'm not going to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all you know a ton of cool stuff and exciting stuff that we have to look forward to here so um i think that's pretty much all the news we've got for this week right
1: yeah that's pretty much the big stuff and then the only other thing uh, recently jj abrams did a new interview of course kind of to promote star trek but you know uh, star wars is always going to come up yeah he, he did an interview with uh playboy out of all places <laughs> to talk about star wars and star trek yeah because everybody
0: reads that for the star wars interviews of
1: course yeah <laughs> But um, it's kind of the typical thing, nothing really revealing. He just kind of says how uh, (laughs) weird and ridiculous it is about him doing Star Trek and Star Wars. And then the whole process of Kathleen Kennedy getting him on board. But the only interesting part I thought was kind of, he talked about his uh, process of going into directing Star Wars. He kind of says, I try to approach the project from what it's asking. What does it need to be? What is it demanding? And he says, with Star Wars, one has to take into account what has preceded it, what worked, what didn't there are cautionary tales for anything you take on that has a legacy, the things that you look at and think, I want to avoid this or that, or I want to do more of something. But he says but even that feels like an outside approach, and it's not how I work. For me, the key is when you have a script, it's telling you what it wants to be. Then he kind of goes on to say that he's glad he has the luxury of having George Lucas still be in there so we can go him, go to him for any like, questions that he might have or how to approach certain things. And he's saying he didn't have that with Star Trek with Gene Roddenberry not being there. So we kind of viewed that as something good and something he's definitely going to use, which, of course, I love hearing, because I know we heard George Lucas is going to be a creative consultant, but to hear a comment from Abrams saying that, yeah, he's definitely going to use that resource is, to me, is a good thing. I'm just glad he's going to take advantage of it.
0: At yeah, well, time. and I think it's a good thing too, because when you were talking about sort of the difference with Star Trek, I mean, Star Trek is him doing a reboot of it and putting his own yeah. spin on it, whereas Star Wars, he's doing a continuation of what Lucas did and kind of trying to fit it within that same vein. So,
1: yeah, I also um, found it interesting when he said too that uh, he wants to take a you got to take into account what has preceded the project, like what worked and what didn't. So, you know, he's going to be looking back at probably all six films and going through him seeing what worked in it for and what didn't work for him so i thought that was kind of interesting to how he's going to approach it because you would think that with lucas's story that he has uh, mapped out for the next trilogy that's something that I mean, of course he's probably going to follow that to the letter because it's lucas's story but just the fact i guess from a director's approach he's going to be taking a look at what he thought didn't work and what he and what did work from all the previous star wars movies
0: yeah and the first thing that sort of jumped in my mind right there when you said you know looking at things that work and things that didn't work i'm like that. Probably might be his little way of saying code speak for I'm not going to have a Jar Jar Binks in. Something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, he'll never say that or mention any specifics. But yeah, stuff like that, I'm sure
1: it's probably referring to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm trying to hate on Jar Jar, but it's just I, I kind of would like it if there was nothing in the new movies that sort of polarized fans like that. And, uh, you know, just hopefully it's all stuff that we can agree is really awesome.
1: Yeah, it just sort of like, doesn't have that distraction for it because like, regardless of whether you like Jar Jar or not in episode one, he was a distraction from the main movies as far as like everybody's talking to him about him instead of the actual movie where all oh, oh, he's annoying or no, he's not annoying. He's not that But He was just like the main topic of episode one where it was like kind of just taken away from the actual story of the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: He'll, so probably, probably, he'll probably
0: be looking for a better actor than Hayden Christensen too. Probably. <laughs> and Jake Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's another thing. There's going to be any
1: uh, child uh, actors in the next trilogy. How old are – if they are going to have Skywalker and Solo children, how old they will be.
0: Yeah, probably not kids if their parents are in their 60s. <laughs> or maybe even grandkids.
1: That's something. That yeah, yeah, is. that could be. Yeah, what if they skip over like their actual children and they just go straight to their grandkids where their children aren't even the main character. It's their grandkids.
0: Well, I don't know. They could, but I mean, if all these rumors are true that the you know the main big three from the original trilogy are going to be back, I would think that if their grandkids are in there, you'd probably have to at least show their kids too. Unless you're going to just write into the backstory that their kids were killed off and now the grandparents are taking care of the grandkids.
1: Yeah, well, they're just spinoff movies. You say in the sequel trilogy that their kids were killed off, and then they explain how. <laughs> Those are more standalone projects.
0: Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, so J.J. didn't reveal anything drastic as usual, but he's pretty much, I mean, Star Trek is, of course, done. It comes out in a few weeks in May, so he's pretty much fully done with that. He probably has to do his mandatory press junkets and premiere stuff, and then it's just all going to be Star Wars from now on for him. Yep. And just, I'm curious how many questions he's going to get as far as the... when he does all these price jungles for Star Trek. You know, it's probably going to be more Star Wars than Star Trek questions. Oh, yeah,
0: lots. I'm sure, you know, it's going to come up every time. Somebody's going to ask him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um yeah, so before we go for this episode, that's pretty much all the big news, but we did have a uh question from one of our Twitter followers that we wanted to address. Um this comes from Leon355 on Twitter and he uh sent us a message and said, Just finished listening to your last episodes, and I would really like to get your thoughts on practical effects versus CGI for episode seven. Um you know, for me it's one of those things I, I think you can have a good balance between the two. Um I don't know. It really just depends on what works and what doesn't. I mean, if you look at the original trilogy, a lot of the practical practical effects were great. And I think probably the best example of that is the Yoda puppet. Um, And, you know, it's like some dude sitting there with a rubber puppet on his hand, but it totally works, you know, with the way they framed the shots and the way Mark Hamill reacted to it. And they were able to, you know, pull it off and make it really believable. And I know... A lot of people feel like in the prequel trilogy that, you know, the CGI was sort of overdone and, uh, you know, that George Lucas was like kind of too busy playing with it and that it was sort of distracting from the main story. Um, But on the other hand, I think with modern technology, there's a lot you can do with CGI that you couldn't do with, um, you know, with uh, like practical effects, like, especially in the prequel trilogy, you see Yoda, you know, having lightsaber fights and stuff. And it's like, on the one hand, that maybe sort of, I know a lot of people don't like that and they think it sort of took away from the character and he looked fake. On the other hand, like I said, you can sort of do more stuff with it. And I mean, if we look beyond Star Wars and you look at some of the other CGI characters from movies, I mean, if you look at Gollum and Lord of the Rings or the Hulk and the Avengers, I mean, I think those are CGI characters that it wasn't like, oh, we can do CGI, so let's make it CGI. It's like they really put a lot of time and care and effort into that to, you know, sort of enhance those characters and, like I said, do things with them that they, could, that they couldn't do with puppets or real actors or whatever else. So, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a trade-off. I think you can overdo CGI and make it distracting or bad or whatever, but on the other hand, if you do it right and you put a lot of attention and care into it, then, and, you know, you're, you're using it to enhance the story and not just to be like, oh, look, here's some pretty... Aliens or spaceships or you know CGI environments or whatever, um, I think that can really add to it too. So and and then with practical effects, those can still work too. Although sometimes it can seem kind of outdated. I mean, if you look at Yo- the you know the puppet Yoda and the Phantom Menace, everybody pretty much agrees that that looks like crap. Even yeah. though it's not you know the same, it doesn't look the same as the puppet that they used in the old movies. But you know, I think when they when they went back and changed uh, the puppet Yoda and the Phantom Menace to CGI Yoda in the Blu-rays, you know, it looks a lot better. So I think, I mean, I don't know what they're going to be doing with the story and what characters they're going to have in there. Um, So I guess you got to just leave it up to, you know, J.J. Abrams and whoever's in charge of the effects as to you know, what they need to do with it, what they need to show, what the, yeah, I mean, if you're talking specifically CGI versus practical characters, you know, what their role in the story needs to be or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's a trade-off and I think either way it can work if you do it right. So I guess I really don't have a preference one way or the other. I'd say maybe my, my preference would be CGI, but only if they do it the right way and don't overuse it and don't make it distracting, and if they really use it to enhance the story.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you as far as so it would be the best of both worlds when they find a nice blend between the two. Because, like you said, there's certain things now with, that you'd want to do that can only be done with CG. and at the same time, the practical effects still work, too, and you gave the best example with uh, Yoda from Empire and Jedi. But um, I think, for me, anyway... To balance it out, with I guess just drawing on for the prequels, I think the stuff that worked best as far as the CGI, I think the CGI in pretty much all of the prequel movies were great, besides maybe a few certain things in episode one that maybe don't hold up. Um, to me, it's mainly like certain alien characters that they would do, like certain pod race CG characters that just don't really hold up. And some of the shots of the Trade Federation battle tanks when they're going on the plains of Naboo, certain shots just don't quite hold up. But for the majority of them, I thought they all look great. And with that, I think the CG effects really looked the best when they were doing the environments, like Mustafar, Kamino, Utapal, all those CG planets looked awesome. And I think that's where it works best when you're creating these vast worlds that you just can't do practically. But at the same time, I would probably like to see maybe less CG alien characters and have more of the costumes and like masks and all that stuff more than I would CG characters, unless it's some like outlandish, big, gigantic monster that they're going to be going up against, where you know they'd have to be CG. So... Yeah, I think I'm not all upset as far as, like, in know certain people who think that CG loses the magic and it's, like, it's not real and practical effects make it more convincing, but I think, that for the most part, you have a talented studio like ILM, which is the best visual effects company out there. They pretty much can make anything look believable now, especially. I mean, it's advanced so much even from the prequel, so by the time Episode Seven comes out, it's going to look that much more better. So, yeah, overall, I just think a nice blend would be best, but... If they go a lot mainly CG, I really wouldn't have a problem with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and the other thing, too, that I mean, one thing I thought about when you were sort of talking about the difference between the CG, like, alien characters and stuff like that. Um, I mean, if you look at the recent uh, The Hobbit movie that came out last year and then The Lord of the Rings movies that came out back in, you know, 2001 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in The Lord of the Rings, I mean, all the orcs and goblins and stuff were all, like, people wearing masks and makeup and stuff like that. And in the Hobbit, a lot of them, if not all of them, I think there were some that might've still been people in makeup, but a lot of them were CGI and, you know, some of them they did like motion capture and stuff, but a lot of them were digital. And I just didn't get the same feeling of, you know, sort of the realism and them just sort of looking like scary and menacing. Instead, they just kind of looked like they were trying to make some sort of ugly creature. And it just didn't really have that human element to it. Um, And so, you know, it's like they can still look good, but then you sort of lose that aspect of the performance too, Um, you know, of them not just looking, but sort of behaving like a realistic person or character would. So I guess that's another thing I think is that if they have, um, you know, maybe aliens that are sort of human looking or, you know, human in shape or something, and they could use a person in a costume or a mask or something for that, or they could choose to go CGI, I think if you have something that's not that far from what you could do with just a person in a costume, then you should go with that. Um, cause again, I think that human element adds to sort of just the believability of it. And, and it's not a huge deal, but it's one of those sort of subtle things that you do notice. And that does make a difference. So yeah, I think if there's, I, I guess I would say if you have the option, if you have the choice between CG and practical and the practical effects will work and, uh, you know you're not going to be like limiting yourself too much then i would say go with the practical but if you're going you know big and ambitious and want to do stuff that you just can't do with practical effects then i'd say rather than try to stay with practical and limit yourself you know just go with cgi and you know use the uh sort of the expanded possibilities that that opens up
1: yeah that was a good point you made about the hobbit too with versus the lord of the rings movie, because i did notice that when i was watching it where it didn't look bad or anything but you did notice that it was CG and it's not people in the Orc costumes. And another thing I'll say, one thing I really hope they stay away from is just like using CG actual like human characters. Like if they need to do a massive action shot with a with an actor, but they, it's not possible to do it CG. I really hope they stay away from that. Because I actually just watched uh, The Matrix Reloaded like a week ago. And that scene where Neo's fighting all those clone Agent Smiths. So those effect shots really don't hold up. I mean, you can tell that they're all CG characters. I mean, certain shots are real drastic. It's like you're watching a video video game cutscene, and then it just it transitions to a live action shot. It's really jarring now when you look back at it. Mm-hmm. And that's something I know that Lucas hasn't done at all, mainly with the prequels, as far as doing like CG actual human characters. He did a few like far away shots and I know when Anakin's uh, riding the reek, I think there was a few shots where he might have been CG, but nothing too drastic. It was like either from zoomed far away where you couldn't really see their face and it didn't really affect it too much. So, Mm -hmm. but that's something I really hope they stay away from to see gene, the main like principal actors in a big action, like massive action sequence. Cause I don't think that's something that's quite perfected yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I guess I would say if it's something where you're like, well, we could do this with practical effects and just pull it off fine, but we could also do it CGI, then don't say, well, let's just go with CGI because it's cheaper or easier or whatever. It's like, do it the way that's going to look best. But if it's something where it's like, there's no way we can do this practically, we have to do CGI, then go for it.
1: Yeah, or even just do, mix it up where you're doing these close-up shots of actual principal photography and then like, do a CG shot from behind or something. Cause, yeah, just watching that Matrix movie, I just didn't realize how much CG they realized for that one scene. I mean, there was close-up shots where you could just tell it was a CG. It's like almost like you were playing a game. I'm sure the effects of course advanced since that movie it was 10 years ago, but yeah, yeah. S- still, I don't think it's quite up there as far as really like doing a human facial character that's going to match live action. So yeah, that's yeah, one thing definitely. I hope they'll stay away from, or at least just incorporate it with practical effects too.
0: hmm yeah so uh leon thanks for the question that's uh you know good uh good discussion starter and something something to think about and something i'm looking forward to for the new movies just to see you know sort of what effects they have in there and you know the visuals and the new creatures and ships and all that kind of stuff it's gonna be cool to see so yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah yeah good stuff but uh i think that's pretty much it for this episode right tim
1: yeah, that about does it. Like I said at the beginning, finally, uh, stuff to talk about that like gets excited and not depressed and down.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was, uh, I mean, if any of you guys haven't seen it yet and you want to know, there is one more bit of depressing news from the whole uh, LucasArts getting shut down, whole thing going on that I posted on our Twitter page a while back that I didn't really want to bring up on this episode because I was like, let's just move past that and talk about the <laughs> movies and not the video games that could have been, so... Um, but yeah, yeah, it was good to get back to talking about some good stuff and looking forward to the future and the movies and all that kind of stuff. So, um, thank you guys again for tuning in and, uh, you know, as always, you can send us email at Kyle at clone wars podcast.com or Tim at clone wars podcast.com. If you want to send us feedback, questions, you know, responses, anything like that, you know, criticisms of the show, anything like that, we'd uh, be happy to have feedback from you guys and of course we'll address it on the show and answer your questions. And uh, you know, you can always reach us on Twitter, you can tweet us at Star Wars TSC. Uh you can always follow us on Facebook at uh just look up Star Wars the Saga Continues and like our Facebook page. And uh write us a review on iTunes too if you uh listen to us on there. And it's always, you know, like I said, just great to have feedback from you guys and let us know how we're doing. So um, thanks again for tuning in, uh, Tim. Anything else you want to add before we go? Uh, nope, I think that should do it. No, okay, cool. Well, uh, we will see you guys next time. Hopefully, we'll get some more big news soon. You know, keep your eyes peeled. We will let you know as soon as we hear anything new and big and exciting. Um, until then, may the force be with you, and we will see you guys next time.
1: See you, everyone. <laughs>